to be here. I think I don't know how long it's been since I've been here last time. And I'm very excited to be to be starting this class, okay? I've been itching for a long time to be sharing some of the notes that I have. And I like I said they're only notes, okay? I'm going to share with you some texts, and we're going to try to go step by step towards this class. Does anybody know why, what this class is about? What's the title of this class? No clue, okay? Has anybody ever seen the movie The Matrix? Yes. Has everybody? Who has not? I need to know who hasn't. Good people. Okay, you guys are all kosher. You guys are all kosher. Okay, leave the class immediately. It's okay. It's okay, because... You know, I was going to try to, I, I, you know, I had two ways to go about it, you know, show a clip and then talk about it, or show a clip and talk about it, and, uh, and me and Rod were talking about this, because of course his, his uh, radio program is called what? Okay, so I'm like, well, why don't, you know, what does that mean, and what is beyond the matrix? And, uh, and we were going to do, you know, I always had a dream to, you know, show the movie in certain segments and talk about the things that come out of the movie, okay? But it doesn't matter because as I reached to come here to the place where it's always on the shelf, of course, it's not there. So, okay, so I figure, okay, it's from heaven, not meant to be. I'll just tell the story because it's just a story, okay? And, you know, we, we, we don't usually, as rabbis and Torah people, don't like to go ahead and say, oh, this movie is Torah, Right? We don't. We like to say that, you know, certain things that are in the movie will bring out or help us to get a serious visu- visual imagery of a Torah concept or a concept that is deep in Judaism. Okay, so like I said, and then most people said that you know that the the, the greatest movie probably in Hollywood is probably this movie because of the messages that it has within it that are very deep. Okay, and there's many messages, and all of the Hasidic masters, Rabbi Nach, when they say you could see God everywhere, and it is true, you could find God everywhere, you could find messages everywhere and in everything. Okay, some things it's more obvious, and some things it requires more application of thought and mind. Okay, and I even showed this movie to my father-in-law, you know, who, uh, you know, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't, he wasn't so hoo ha about it. Okay, as a rabbi, he was like, it's an old philosophical problem. Okay, that was his reaction to it. Okay, but it certainly brings out a lot of imagery and what we have called koach which is a, a force of getting an image and deepening a sense of the messages that is within this story. Okay. So just to start off the story to refresh our memories, because it was the 90s, I believe, right? <laughs> that there's a hacker, um, a computer hacker by the name of Neo, or he has another name, something Mr. Anderson, I believe, okay? In any case, he has a regular name, right? But he's, his, his, his hacker name is called Neo, and people come to him all the time to get for information how to, you know, uh, cheat on tests and things like that, and things like, you know? So in any case, I think what happens is this, this, this hacker um, is, uh, is, being, is attempted to be contacted by a real known infamous outlaw hacker 
by the name of Morpheus, as group, are trying to make contact with him, okay? And they are using interesting ways as, you know, I think the beginning scene, and then refresh my memory, anybody? Where's Rod? Why did he disappear? Because I need him to refresh my memory. Thank you. Don't disappear on me, man. Okay, thank you. He wakes up because he's asleep in front of his computer, and the computer starts talking to him, which is not a usual thing. Nowadays, you have emails and all kinds of things where the computer does talk to you. I think those days, I don't think that was happening. And it says, you know, uh, the, the big line was, the Matrix has you. Wake up, Neo. The Matrix has you, and he's trying to fix his computer. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, the computer goes, knock, knock, because he knows that the, somebody in the computer is already seeing what he's doing and everything that's going on in his building. They know there's going to be a knock on the door. And then, before the computer goes out, it says, follow the white rabbit. So he gets, he answers his door. It's a group of people who he sells some of his bootleg programs. And he sees a white rabbit on the lady's arm. And they invite him to come out. He goes out with them to this place, right? Some kind of bar, a lot of rock and roll music and, you know, black leather. You know, the whole movie is just black leather, okay? <laughs> they should have changed the movie, right? Okay, the name of the movie should have been Black Leather. Okay, so in any case, you know, and then he's approached by somebody while he's hanging out in this um, in this bar who says that your your life's in danger. People are are. We know that you have a question, and his question is, you know, what is the Matrix? Obviously, I the one thing I loved about this movie was, uh, you know, I like movies where I can't figure it out the first thirty seconds of the movie or two minutes. Because usually most movies in two minutes, like, okay, it's a schlep movie. You got to get the ring back to Mordor to burn the ring. And then, uh, you know, or, you know, so, or, you know, usually you figure out it's a schlep movie or it's a, you know, or it's the bad guy. You got to get the bad guy movie or, you know, whatever it is. You can figure out three minutes. It's a revenge movie. Okay, we got it. Okay. Here was like, I don't, I'm not figuring this out. Okay. So I enjoy the part about, I'm not really figuring out what's going on. And so um, his life is in danger, of course. What happens is he's, you know, uh, trying to be contacted by the hackers. But meanwhile, the authorities catch him, right, and plant him with a bug, right, of some kind. And it's all kind of weird stuff, and you really don't know what's going on. Really just kind of bizarre. But finally, um, he gets picked up, and and he's taken to meet the big boss, right? Morpheus, who is the big hacker, right? Who he's been trying to contact this guy Morpheus for a long time and they finally meet and it's a real cool meeting, right? With the glasses that reflect back to him. And of course, you know, they're sitting down in a chair and, you know, Morpheus is saying, you want to know what the Matrix is, okay? So he says, basically, anybody want to finish the line for me? The Matrix is everywhere. When you pay your taxes, right? It's all around you, right? And what, what happens then is he presents to him two pills, right? The blue pill or the red pill. The blue pill, you wake up and as if, as if nothing has ever happened and you continue about your life. And the red pill, I get to show you how deep the rabbit hole goes, Right? I'm going to take you into a place where, you know, once you take the red pill, there's no turning back. And, of course, Neo takes the red pill, 
And then they bring him into this other room. They put him on a chair. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, they're, they're, they're monitoring him. And all of a sudden, some weird stuff happens to him. His whole, this kind of like, um, I guess, a liquid metal starts to go. He touches the mirror. It goes all over him. It's kind of, kind of funky stuff. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up. He wakes up, and he's in a completely different place. And he looks completely different. And he wakes up in some kind of bath, right? And he's got tubes attached to him. He has no idea where he is. He has no idea what's going on. And he looks outside this tube. Are you following me? Everybody knows. And those who don't know, it's a nice story, right? <laughs> and he wakes up and he looks and he sees there's, if not hundreds of thousands of these other little cubicles where there's bodies lying connected to tubes. And of course, he's the only one that's up and all these other rows and rows and columns and columns and columns of these little, uh, what do you call them, baths, where there's people encased in the baths connected to machines, right, who are um, uh, asleep, right? And of course, he's up and then all of a sudden, all of the tubes that he's connected to become disconnected and he gets flushed down a pipe, right? Assuming that he's dead, he's not working anymore, <laughs> some malfunction, so... He gets flushed down a pipe and then some, you know, the, the, the ship of Morpheus picks him up and he's brought into the ship. They wrap a towel around him and the line is, anybody want to finish the line? Morpheus's line, as he says to him, welcome to the real world. Welcome to the real world. And then from then on, it's a, he goes through several, I don't know how long, months of rehab because his muscles have never been used his eyes was never used. He's been asleep his whole life. His whole life was a dream. Not unlike Psalm, this, in the Psalms that we have, that we read all the time on Shabbos, that it says, Shir HaMalos, B'Shuv Hashem Es Shivat Zion Hainu Kechomim. When we would have returned to Zion, we would have been like dreamers. A very powerful statement. And I'm about to show you a lot of metaphor that is brought out through this story. Things that we have in our writings which indicate very much life is a dream. But we've got to focus just one, a couple of more steps, okay? We've got to go really slowly, step at a time. I know you're going to go rent it as soon as you leave. That's tonight's homework, okay? So, I, I, if it's not, they got a problem. But don't see two and three because they, okay? Everybody knows that. Okay, so then, so, so Neo takes this red pill, which is some kind of activator to go ahead and, and, and change his uh, system around in order that the machine basically dislocates him, the, the, the bath that he was in, and now he's in the real world, okay? And now the real world, he's, of course, clueless to what's going on. He's got these things attached to him, these metal implants that have some kind of tubes attached to him. He has no clue what is going on. And then what happens is they're going to show him what the matrix is, okay? And basically what happens is the matrix is some kind of, maybe, you know, I, I don't know all of the words to it, a computer-generated computer imagery global imagery for mankind that they partake in that everybody who is really sleeping in these cubicles in their dreams 
they're living out a life. They're waking up, they're going to work, they come back from work, and they live a daily life. But meanwhile, they're in these little cubicles, okay, sleeping, okay? Where is that related to us, Rabbi? Okay, slowly, okay? In any case, he, 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 he's, he's led through the story. Morpheus tells him, and tells him that, that there was the creation of the artificial intelligence. Man gave birth to artificial intelligence. He thinks that he's living in 1990, I don't know, two, but really the year, actual year is in the future, 2012, 17, 2017, right? My kids were laughing at that movie. What was that movie? Um, what was that? I forgot now. I forgot the name of the movie. Back to the Future? Where they saw... <laughs> I think it was part two. Is the future it was 2012 or something. It was... <laughs> or it was 2016. Yeah, it was like real funny. Real funny. In any case... Really, it's 2000-whatever in the future, and there was a, the, the, the mankind gave birth to artificial intelligence, and the artificial intelligence became so intelligent that it made, basically ended up being a war between the humans and the machines. This all sounds familiar, right? And all kinds of science fiction movies, right? Until uh, one daring try uh, attempt to rid the, uh, of the machines, to destroy the machines, so the humans were able to go ahead and scorch the sky that the sun would no longer be a power source to the machines. So, but the machines, in retaliation, developed another power source, and their power source was humans, that they would breed humans from the, you know, from the, the chromosomes, from the genes. They would breed humans and use the human as a battery. So the humans, they were farming human, huge farms of humans who would live in these cells totally asleep, but yet they were using the matrix, which is the name of the machines, were using, or the matrix is actually what, the machines were actually using humans, keeping them in a sleep in the matrix state, okay, but yet using all of the energy that human bodies naturally produce, warmth and whatever, Right to go ahead and run and power the machines, okay? And so, Morpheus, why did he wake up? Neo, why did he wake up this guy? Why did he come to this particular hacker, right, and present him with the blue pill? Why not present everybody with a red pill? Why not dance down the street just handing out red pills left and right to people, right? Because he saw that Neo was a very special, unique individual. He saw in him and he thought that Neo is the one, which is the one who's going to save humanity, the one who's going to destroy the Matrix. And after uh, Neo's initial shock of like, what the heck is going on in my life? Because he's completely like blown away. He's no longer living in 1997. His life is completely turned around, right? He's completely, you know, doesn't understand why him? He got woken up, right? And so Neo explains something quite interesting. And he says, the first man, and this is kind of, and there are kind of a lot of notes, you know, if, if, you, if you look at it and questions that we have about it. First of all, you have to know, not every parable is ever exact. And the, and the things that are portrayed in the movie are not totally exact. And 
and matching up. Okay, you always have to know that. A disclaimer, okay? Instant disclaimer. Okay? So he explains that the first man who invented the artificial intelligence, right, said that he will come back and he let he told humanity that he will come back and I guess there's an intimation to reincarnation. Okay? They don't talk much about it there, okay, in the movie. But he will come back and he will destroy the Matrix and end the war. And so Neo, so, so Morpheus says to Neo, I believe that that is you. In other words, you are the reincarnation of the first man who is going to come and end this war between us and the machines. Because really, the machines are dominating. Mankind is left to live underground. There's only one refuge city that they have called Zion. Interesting how they pick interesting words. Okay, but okay. Okay. Uh, so there's one refuge city called Zion where the humans do live underground, hidden, because they're constantly being sought after by the machines who are seeking to annihilate all humans because that's what you do in war. Okay, you got to get rid of the enemy. So the enemy wants to fight back, and so their only hope was to find the one individual who is going to destroy the matrix, and destroy the machines, okay? So here's where I brought out, want to bring out just something interesting. So Neo's first question was, what is the matrix, okay? And how I would view it for us in our lives, okay? And why it is such an awakening insight when you see the visualization and you understand what kind of world we are living in and what kind of world or dimension we are supposed to be living in, okay? So I'm going to bring with you and share with you some really interesting texts, okay? So let's do text number one, and talks about Adam before the Garden of Eden. I think it's in the, the excerpt, this is excerpts absolutely, starts chapter eight, you see it here? So this actually is an excerpt from this book called You Are What You Hate, okay? By Sarah Yehudi Schneider, I met this woman uh, like I tell people, you know, my father-in-law told me there's a woman in the old city. She's learning all of these certain Kabbalistic texts cover to cover. She sat with a study partner and went through big, a lot of stuff, which not many people go through, okay? I was quite taken aback by that. And uh, when I was in Jerusalem a few years back, I, wanted, I, I was in the old city hanging out with some friends of mine. One person goes and learns by her takes me to her. I had a meeting with her, bought the book, and I teach this book actually on Sunday nights. I started up again. I started with the second half of the book first years ago, then I started with the first half of the book. Okay? And it goes through a very, very great, and she's very well-written depiction, and, and her words are amazing in terms of explaining the Garden of Eden, because we want to get into the original enemy, and we want to get into the Garden of Eden. Okay? So everybody have the text here? Okay, some things I'm going to skip over because it's, it goes uh, basically on things that happened in the past, okay? The second verse of the Torah describes the starting point of our eighth world. Now, if you didn't know that until now, now you know it. There were seven worlds created before our world, okay? Each world was created and destroyed, created and destroyed, created and destroyed, okay? And we're called the eighth world. It says here, and the, the earth was chaos and void and darkness 
was upon the face of the deep. That was where we start. In other words, there was chaos before. According to Kabbalah, this verse depicts the broken state of reality after the seventh king met his demise. A king here is not a literal king, okay? A king means like a receptacle for pleasure. God, before our world, made seven vessels to receive pleasure, okay? Actually, he made ten vessels to receive pleasure. Seven of them uh, received too much light, and as a result of them receiving too much light, broke. The vessels for receiving pleasure, it's all a setup, really, for our role in this creation and what we're supposed to do, okay? So a king is not a literal king. A king means a vessel, okay? The Torah then proceeds to recount how day by day, sphera by sphere, those are the, the, the spherot, the seven spherot, specifically, Hashem salvaged the debris of the old worlds and built a new world from its shattered predecessors. In other words, just picture with me, and just to, to put it simply, before our world, there were seven worlds, and, and each one of those was destroyed, and their shattered debris from those worlds. And each one of the seven days that you read in Genesis was a fixing of one of those worlds, a fixing of one of those dimensions, a fixing of those vessels, how to receive the light. Don't forget, we're created. We're all creations here. Created from the infinite. We're created for the purpose of receiving infinite light. Our destiny is to receive, to be a vehicle to receive infinite light. And we're all, no matter where you are in your lives, in a process of developing yourselves. And thank God you come to Torah study. Because otherwise, well, we're going to see. <laughs> okay? Okay, we're going to see. Okay? Hashem is a cosmic artisan built our universe from below to above, from outside in. The six creation days move forward and upward through the hierarchy of life forms from inanimate to plant to animal and human, as that's how what it is. The first days of creation was light and darkness. The second day, right, was waters, separation of waters. The third day was dry land and seas, right? So it moved from then, then you have dry land, you have mineral, and then you'll have some plants on the third day, Right? And then the fourth day, of course, was the luminaries. The fifth day of creation was the fish and the birds, livestock. You have fish and birds, something alive. And then the sixth day was animals and humans. So it moved from lower to higher. And so it was not until the sixth day, near midday, that Adam, the first human being, appeared on the scene. As it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. So, this Adam. Now, this is what we have to get. What was Adam like before the sin? Okay? Was he a physical human being? And the answer is no. Okay? This Adam was not like humans today. For the fundamental nature of reality was completely different throughout the six days, the, the, the six creation days. Although the first chapters of Genesis did really happen, everything happened, and they are real events, 
They transpired on an entirely different plane of existence than, than what we experience as the physical world today. It was a completely different realm of existence. And look what he says here. Until Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the lowest level of the universe was the mental plane. He brings us down from all the Kabbalists. Mental plane. Or one Kabbalist put it the astral plane. Kind of like a beings of light. Adam was not what you think he was. Okay? This means that the bodies and objects of that era were actually more like thought forms. Okay? One source for this idea is the Talmudic description of Adam and Eve as magnificent light beings. The Talmud derives its fantastic report from hints in the Torah itself, such as in the passage recounting the devastating consequences that followed Adam and Eve's act of disobedience. And here's something for thought. It said in the verse, And the Lord God made for the man and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now, if you look in the Hebrew, it's, right? It's, 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 or is written differently, Okay. The words for skin and light are called homophones, which is in Hebrew, they sound alike, but are spelled differently. There's two ways it sounds or. Kasonet or, when he made a kasonet or, katonet or, which means a garment of or. Or could be spelled, it sounds the same, but or could be spelled two different ways. With an ayin, it is spelled as skin. And if I spell the word or also with an aleph, I change the letter, which uh, in, usually in the West, it's very hard for anybody, a Westerner, to differentiate between an ayin, the pronunciation of an ayin, to an aleph. They both sound pretty silent, right, to the naked eye. But usually most of the people who are very well versed in the pronunciation and the difference of pronunciation of letters, an ayin is a guttural letter, as opposed to an aleph is a silent letter. Okay? But nevertheless, or could be perceived as being very much interchangeable letters. Okay? On a, on a, phonetic, in a phonetic sense. Okay? So they sound alike, but are spelled differently. Or is with an ayin. It means skin. And or with an aleph means light. Based on this relationship, the second century teacher Rabbi Meir explains that these garments of skin were not just leather tunics like clothing today. Mm -mm. Rather, the verse is teaching us that now, for the first time, divinity enclosed their souls in an opaque, leathery skin, in essence, a physical body. Expressing the implications of Rabbi Meir's teaching, the Midrash states, Originally, Adam's body was made of light, but after he sinned, God clothed his body in a thick, opaque covering called or. Okay? So it sounds the same. It was light, and now it is skin. That's actually why, really, in Havdalah, we have a service every Saturday night where there, um, we, we have a cup of wine, we have spices to smell, and then there's a candle. And in the candle, we make a blessing on the candle, Saturday night, and everybody has to look at it, not like, I don't know what you've seen. Maybe you can, uh, you know, uh, YouTube it or something. I should do a YouTube video, what to do. 
because some people just don't know what to do with their hands. Okay? It's not what you do. Okay? You have to have your actually your thumb inside the palm of your hand and cover with four fingers. And you have to look at the reflection of the candlelight on your nails to your skin. The difference between the nails to your skin. And four fingers. Okay? And the reason why is because Adam Arishon's skin was luminous like our, the reflection of our nails, not hard, but luminous in that way, a reflective light, as opposed to a dull light as a reflection of the skin. Now we're supposed to really, according to a Midrash, Adam Arishon, the first man, he was kicked out of the garden Saturday night. There was no disco to go to. There was no movie plan at the Palladium. Okay? He was sitting in the dark, and had God put into his mind to put two stones together in intuition to bang two stones together to create the first fire. We make this blessing on Saturday night of the creation of the first fire to really allude to us to connect to our own intuition and to remember where we came from and where we are now and where we have to go back to. Don't forget, every single thing you do in the beginning of everything, just a side point, sets the pace for the rest of the week. Let's say the first thought of the day sets the pace for the day. The first thought of the week sets the pace for the week. You have to always remember when you wake up in the morning, what are your priorities that you have to do that day? Okay? And be sure to make loving God number one priority. Okay? Most people don't do that. Okay? So in any case, Adam Marie Schoen's used to be light, and now it's skin. Okay? Thus, according to Rebbe Meir, the Torah itself is teaching that originally Adam and Eve had shimmering bodies of light. Only after their skin did they acquire physical bodies as we experience in them now. Right? Another Midrash is equally explicit in depicting Adam as a radiant being. The heels of Adam's dead body, the heels of his dead body, were like two radiant suns. Right? If his heels shone thus, imagine the light of his head and even more before his death and even more before he sinned. This is somebody who went actually into the grave and was only allowed to go. He actually, somebody had permission to go into the grave, the Machpelah, where Adam is buried. And he was only, far, so, so, only allowed to go so far. He got as far as to get a glimpse of the ankles of Adam. You know? I guess the body of Adam. And he, this is what he came out with. He reported that two, what is it, radiant suns. His ankles were two radiant suns. Whatever that means. It could be a much deeper metaphor. Of course, we can't understand it literally. Okay? So the idea really is I had to understand what Adam's skin was and who he was before and what he was after. Okay? So, for now, I had this text that I found. What I'm showing you now is a book that I'm probably not allowed to show you again, okay? Just to wake you up, okay? <laughs> this book is called The Eight Chaim. It's a big, thick book. I Dafka brought it thick. I had smaller versions, but I wanted to bring you the big book. Tree of Life. This is called The Sefer Eitz Chaim. 
This is written by the Arizal, the 16th century Kabbalist. He actually never wrote anything on his own. His main student, Rav Chaim Vital, wrote every single thing, right? And, he, and his main work was this work here. And it is really the map of the universe, okay, the, that, that goes through all of the dimensions of everything. Now, in the end of this book, there's a gate, actually, called the Gate of the Klipot. Klipa, maybe you've heard of before, literally means shell or husk. So he writes, after he's gone through the entire universe, and it's detailed, very, very detailed map of the dimensional worlds and every single thing that transpires those dimensional worlds, he gets into the last chapters of the Gate of the Husks. Husks literally mean shells, but obviously what it has a real reference to is evil. Okay? So he springs down a line here that I underlined, which was a fascinating line, which really which is one of the sources that I wanted to show you that comes out from that movie, okay, of The Matrix. And the line reads like this. I'll read it in Hebrew first, and then I'll translate it. When Adam sinned, Nishafech ha'olam, the world was overturned, v'garam pagam, and he caused a blemish, v'arba olamot hakadoshim, in the four holy realms. We have in our tradition, there are four holy dimensions. We are in the lowest of those dimensions, the lowest of the lowest, okay? And then there's a dimension above us, the dimension of the angels, which is called the world of Yetzirah, a formation. And there's a realm above that, which is called the realm of creation, a dimension, another dimension. And then there's a realm even above that, which is called the realm of emanation, or some people call it nearness. Okay? Being near. Atzilut. They have names, but let's not get into the names. The idea here is there were four Dimensions, all of them very holy. Okay? Which means they were... And why do you have these dimensions? Simply is because infinite light is too much to go ahead and see head on. Okay? It needs a filter. Just like we cannot look into the sun directly. You need a filter, right? I know everybody, you all smart when that eclipse happened and nobody was going to look at it. Right? And you're going to keep your kids from even going outside for sure. Don't even go outside. Right? Because it'll, it'll damage you. For sure. And so God, in His infiniteness, had to filter, filter Himself, so to speak. So the creations, us, can have a relationship. Otherwise, it's too bright. So these dimensions are basically dimensions of filtration, how we can go ahead and cope and handle, okay? And, and start and begin a relationship, okay? So in any case, when Adam sinned, so the worlds were overturned, the, the world was overturned and he caused a blemish in these four holy worlds and he caused a tikkun, a fixing, in the four worlds of klipa. In other words, he caused a fixing of the klipa. He caused the klipa to be fixed, his action. It wasn't that there was a klipa that was already in place, but he was able to make it 
that it would be set up, okay? And have all of its domain and all of its energy. In other words, the first artificial intelligence was set up by the first man, Adam, okay? You wouldn't call it necessarily artificial intelligence, but it does have a life of its own as we're going to see, okay? And it's meant to be, okay? But the idea really is, just to bring out from the movie, it was set up by the first man. And now, just to go ahead and end off that one statement that Morpheus did say to Neo, that their tradition is the man said he was going to come back. And we do know that Adam is made up of three letters. How do you spell it? Aleph, Dalid, Mem. And that Adam, those three letters are actually the Rashi Tevos of three significant figures that we have in creation, which are streaming from one unified soul, Adam. His soul contained all of the souls. Every single person that was going to be born from him, yes, every single one of you, and he knew every single person that was going to be born. That's some mind, huh? That's a lot of people, right? And Adam passed away. He gave 70 years of his life to King David. That's Aleph Dalid. King David, he saw, was supposed to be a stillborn. He was not supposed to be alive. Not supposed to be born alive. But he saw that this unique character would come out and create such an impression on the world, the world could not do without him. And so he prayed that 70 years of his life be taken in order to be given to this person, that this person, that this soul element can live and ex have an expression in humanity. And that was King David. And Adam Arishon, who was supposed to live a thousand years, lived only 930. And then and King David lived exactly 70. And of course, the final mem is Mashiach, is the Messiah. So, the Matrix movie is a Messiah movie. Okay? But it's, of course, it's all digital and black leather. Okay? But in any case, so the first man is going to come back as Mashiach, and he's going to help us with our dealings with the realm of the Klippa. So I call the matrix the Klippa. Okay? Neo's question was, what is the matrix? And to answer from a Torah perspective, it's the Klippa. Okay? So now you could look at the other sheets that I had handed out to you. I got these from, actually... Rabbi Ariel Bartzadok. He was a uh, Rav. He is a Rav, sorry. I believe he's in Tennessee now. He's been in a few places. Go to, you go to koshatora.com. Fantastic teachings. Unbelievable. I've met him in L.A. and sat with him, and he learned with my father-in-law, Sukhuso Yegen Aleinu, uh, in Jerusalem. And I got some of this from uh, his article. Thank God I just googled Klippa, and this article came up, because I went to his website looking for it, and I, there's too much there. I couldn't thumb through it. And he brings an awesome, awesome um, uh, resemblance to what the Matrix is in the movie. Okay? And then we get an idea of the Klippa, and believe me, your perception should be changed. Okay? So he says here, in Kabbalah, the forces of evil are referred to as klipot. And this is the Hebrew word for a shell or a husk. Like Adam Arishon's skin. It's a shell. It's a husk. 
Because why? What does it do? It leads you to believe in an idea of separation. Okay? She brings earlier in this book the down, I mean, a, a, a straight cut to the chase idea of what evil is. And her definition of evil is, to put it real simple, the illusion of separation and independence from God. Okay? Yes. The illusion, and it's real. It's real because, don't forget, God put us here because we have to have free choice. Because if we saw God, if you really saw God, totally, right? You'd be totally righteous. You wouldn't have any kind of struggles with that chocolate ice cream that's calling you from the freezer. You wouldn't have any problems, right? Or any other bad habit. You'd never get angry. If you saw God and what He's doing and you were totally in tune, right? even though evil could be dangling somewhere over there, over there, you're like, come on, there's no choice. It's got to be equal. God has to hide Himself radically, okay? And present equal forces in order for you to make an equal free choice on your own to choose the way of God versus separation or the illusion of separation or independence, okay? But in truth, everything, we're always really, the real bottom line truth, we're totally connected to God. But we are sucked into an illusion of separation from God and independence, okay? And that's why the matrix is so deep, okay? So... Literally, klepa means a peel or a shell, as in the peel of a fruit. Interesting, the orange, right? Nothing wrong with that, right? A klepa encases that which is in it, in essence holding what is, what is inside it prisoner. Yet, a klepa is not a room like a jail cell. A klepa is more like a second skin. Within a jail cell, there is room to maneuver, but however, within the klepa, there's no room at all to maneuver. I.e., we're stuck in our bodies. Our bodies are like klepa in relationship to our souls. Okay? It's a garment. It's a shell. It's a husk. The klepa originated from what the Kabbalists call the shattering of the vessels. That's what I kind of alluded to you before, and she alluded to by the death of these kings. There were worlds were created before this world. This was an event in primordial history when God was creating the spiritual forces that were to become the underlying forms of all dimensions in creation. Yet as these vessels of divine light emanated forth from the Creator, a particular event occurred. The light dispatched by the Creator to fill these vessels was too bright and too strong for the vessel to withstand. The vessels were that once each of these seven vessels received the overabundant divine light, they were unable to bear it, and thus they collapsed under the heavy weight. The broken pieces of these vessels fell into the realms that would later become physical space-time. Okay? Yet due to their distance from their lofty spiritual source, and due to their breakage, these vessel fragments no longer embody the holy purpose of form for which they were created, all that remained in these vessels was an echo of an idea, a glimpse of remembrance of their former glory. This short sight of knowledge defines how evil forms. Evil comes about when there is an ignorance or a denial of good. 
Every single thing that we do partake of has elements where you could use it for holiness or you could use it for non-holiness. Okay? And that's why we have to constantly learn to re-educate ourselves, to realign our thinking to what are we doing, to have conscious and conscious awareness of our actions. Okay? But as we say... The fallen vessels lost focus of the definition of good and became, by definition, the architects of evil. In essence, klipot are the mistaken forms of the manifestation of the ten holy spherot. They're mistaken forms. They're misguiding you. But don't forget, this is all in the, in the primordial state. Only Adam was the one who actually pushed the button to, to, to what we call it, to... to um, set it in motion, okay? These manifest as male-volent, autonomous life forms throughout the universe. Interesting. At the same time, they also manifest as the forms of what? Mistaken beliefs, emotions, and actions in the lives of people. Klepot often present themselves as being something right and good, yet in actuality, they are the source of of all that is wrong and evil. As long as the subject of Klepot remains academic and knowledge about them stays in the realm of theological discussion, they are not threatened thereby. Yet once one makes efforts to seek them out, to expose them, and to neutralize their influence in the world, then full-fledged war is declared. Okay? In other words, Klepot are there. You want to take the blue pill and sleep? You could take the blue pill and live your life in a dream world. Okay? And go through your daily experience. Okay? And whenever the, the chocolate ice cream calls you from the freezer, you'll just go for it. And whenever whatever bad habit just is, and that's just who I am. And people have that kind of reaction about their bad character traits all the time. That's just who I am. My father was like that. My father screamed in the house. I scream in the house. Right? Or whatever it is, the bad habits, bad perceptions, whatever it is, you'll learn from your parents, teachers, friends, relatives, right, that are untrue. And they definitely do not get you to the goal, right? What do we call it? Um, I got the word. Okay. You miss the goal. You miss the mark, right? Counterproductive activities. Our klepa. Okay. You need a little computer game? You need a day? You need some to wind, unwind a little bit? Okay. But for eight hours? Okay. It's a little off the uh, mark a little bit here, you know? Right? Okay. You got to, you know, whatever it is, right? Okay. So in the movie, you know, they have what's called agents, right? So in the movie, they have this world, this synthetic, computer-generated world that actually Neo, they put something in his back of his head, right? To re-plug him into the Matrix. You can go, you got to be in, in, in trans, uh, what do you call it? Transmitting frequency. You know, if you, they're on a ship, they could be... You know, far away from the... they got to be within range. And then they could go ahead and plug themselves back in and be in the world with everybody else, even though they're in the world with everybody else, right? 
They know really everybody is sleeping. They're really in cubicles in some place not too far away. But they're talking to people, right? And they're dealing with people, right? But they know it's really that Chinese restaurant is not a real Chinese restaurant, right? And they know that, you know, whatever it is, they know that it's not real. There is no spoon, right? Right? So, so they know that it's... The, but, but, but the people who are there, and, and, and Morpheus is walking through the streets with him, you know, to give him a simulation. He says, now these people are not ready to be woken up. You can't just do it. And then you got to watch out for the agents. Okay? Uh, Agent Smith, okay, is all our favorite, Right? Right? That the that 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 the matrix wants to make sure that there's nobody mess around messing with their frequency and nobody's going to interfere with their computer program that they could keep everybody asleep, okay? And if there's somebody out there amongst them who you know who are creeping in and uh, interfering and they're uh, breaking in uh, what do you call it hacking and messing up their programming systems, they got to stop that. Like nowadays, anybody who infiltrates their banks, I mean, now it's all, now everything's computer security. I think most energy these days is going into computer security, right? To make sure nobody's hacking into your, your the, 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 everything. Everything. Countries, right? Russia, hacking into America. The election was for sure thrown. <laughs> right? So the agents are much are you know have certain abilities. They they know who they're after, and they can take the form of anybody, right? If they, if the guy who they're chasing, right, gets in a car and he's down the street and over three blocks away, they know where he is because they have all everybody in who's in the matrix who can see the guy. They all of a sudden can go ahead and project themselves and manifest themselves through that being and go ahead and attack the guy, right? That I give a okay description of an agent, right? And 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 they're told if you see an agent, you run because nobody's been able to, you know, you can't shoot the agents because they can dodge bullets, right? And we can't dodge bullets yet until Neo came and was able to dodge the bullets, right? Um, but but you know, so the agents will come after you. So the idea really is, and it's very scary, what I'm saying here, okay? That here. You know, I'm offering you in a very subtle form the beginning of a red pill. Okay? The Torah is the red pill, and we'll get to text, which is going to be mind-blowing for you. God willing, in the, in the coming, you know, what next time I come here. Okay? But the idea really is, is once the Klippa knows you got them, then you become a danger to them. Okay? But the idea really is just to start by recognizing what a klipa is. Now, I happen to know that in the Garden of Eden, Adam Arishon had a first wife. Did you ever? Did anybody ever know that? You heard that before? Adam Arishon had a first wife. Dan, did you know that Adam Arishon had a first wife before Eve? No way, way. <laughs> I can't even say her whole name because we're not allowed to Kabbalistic pronounce her whole name, even though they magazine with her name on it, right? A whole Jewish woman's magazine with that name, <clears throat> right? I don't think it's around anymore. In my days, it was. 
I can tell you the first letters, Lil. I'm not going to tell you the last letters. We call her Lil, or as my um, my father-in-law would call her, you know, Jane Doe or Plonite. Okay. In any case, what happened with her was uh, she was with Adam in the beginning in the Garden of Eden at some kind of primordial stage, and there was some kind of disagreement between uh, in terms of uh, relations, right? So since it was some kind of uh, friction or tension, God took her and put her outside the Garden of Eden and made Eve, right? So here's Lil kicked out, taken away from her husband, kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and lo and behold, she sees a whole new wedding procession with her ex, getting married, right? To the flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, okay? Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And there's a big lachaim and a chuppah and an angel singing it. And she's out of the Garden of Eden and she's not invited. She's mad. And she takes, she now has a vendetta that she is going to get back at God. And how is she going to do that? By taking man down. And how does she take man down? Through seduction. She is the force in the universe, in the world of seduction. And she uses any woman who will sell out, okay, and put her in the front of any magazine, okay, or whatever have you, anywhere in the world, from here to there, Hollywood to wherever, right, in order to entice and seduce man to bring him away from holiness and Kedusha. And her, that, she is the queen of that. We're not allowed to say her whole, her whole name, and we'll get to that in another question. If you want to write down, I'll answer the question after. But then why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because sometimes I'm checking out at a grocery store because I go shopping. Thank God I have the merit to go shopping for my family. I have the great opportunity. Thank you, God. Right? And I'm checking out, and of course, it used to be candy here and all candy here. You know, you have M&Ms and Mars bars, and you got this here. And uh, now it's not. Now it's eye candy and eye candy, okay? Meaning there's not pictures of not sneeze, not modest women here, and maybe a couple of M&Ms bars, and then there's not modest women here. So my practice is I know that that's Lil. And she wants to say, hey, sonny boy, look at me. Okay? And then when I go to the line, me and my students, we all have the same line. We go, hello, it's you again. And we proceed to ignore it or I take off my glasses. Okay? The idea here is once you call a spade a spade, you have power over it. Once you call this a klipa, it gives you power. Okay? And that's the idea here. Just tonight, just to understand, there's a whole world out there that is meant to have you get distracted from your purpose in life, right? And then to believe that there's something other than connection to God, that you're separate from God in all manners and forms from A to Z. And now it's your homework and your mission is you have to start to call the spade a spade. You have to call to say, this is Klippa. Can't get too involved in it. I started to make these sheets today. I started to make these sheets 
and I went on this one website, which is where you could go ahead and gather all your sheets together, right? And it was complicated. I couldn't cut out and paste and copy. It was gotten like, I say, I'm not, no. I went off of it and I, and I went and did something else, okay? And my wife says, why didn't you use the Safarim uh, website, right? Why didn't you use that? You know, I was teaching you how to do it. I'm like, no, I don't do that anymore. If five minutes it ain't working, I'm off that. Because you know why? I can get involved in it. It can take my time, my mental energy, and I get sucked into it. And then I'm in the matrix. Okay? This is just the beginning. Okay? What did we go over today? We didn't even get to finish here, but you might be able to read this on your own. And we, Because really there are four different types of klipot which we really wanted to get into, and we will, Emir Tzashem, God willing, next time. Okay, because there's four husks. They don't tell you that in the Matrix, okay? But in the idea really is that Adam did create the Ma'arechet Klipa. He did create the system of the husks, okay? He initiated the whole, the whole system. In other words, it was in potential state when he sinned, he arranged it and fixed it and it became locked into position. And then now he, we are born into these husks, living about in the, in, the, in the world of the husks. And it is our mission now to try to detect those husks, right? In order to awaken ourselves out of it. And the idea really in mind is to awaken ourselves out of the sleep, right? Don't forget, interestingly enough, last pit. The word for evil is ra. If you switch the letters, you have Ein Reish, because the Reish Ein is evil. And in Hebrew, if you switch it, it's Er. Er means awake. Okay? So if you're awake, right, we're supposed to awaken. If you're sleeping, or you're, right, going through your blue pill style lifestyle, blue pill life, you're sleeping. And our idea here is to awaken. Okay? Everything is about the awakening principle. You guys have a great week. Awesome. Awesome. Any questions? Any questions? You have a question. I didn't even record it. Okay, yeah. Can we reconcile how the description of Adam before the sin right. was without the physical body with the description before, before that of uh, creating the body from Okay, we don't know what kind of earth it was that God was taking or what elements of earth it was. You know, you can say it was dirt clod, right? Or you can say they were just like, you know, very subtle elements of what you would call something of an earth-like nature that he used to create. Okay? Or you can answer that it was like going on an after effect. You know, because a lot of times it's not chronological what happens in Genesis. That even though it says he formed man out of the dust, right? And it does say dust there, right? It could be that, that, that that's going on something that really would happen later on, even after the sin. It could be like something that would happen after. Yeah. It also says that. Yes. 
well, I mean, what, so what happened was when Adam was in the Garden of Eden, right, and he was all God image and all light, and the serpent uh, 